Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. Stephanie, welcome. Hey, Han. And just so there's no confusion, you're not with me. No, I'm not. I'm in Colorado Springs in the U.S. Bay. And uh, so tell me, what are you doing in Colorado Springs? Well, I'm working with our Ice Dance um, champions through the Ice Academy in Montreal. And tonight was the free dance. And it was a really, really exciting competition. And Ice Academy in Montreal on the podium. Well, this is a big competition too, right? So it's a it's a major, would be considered well, a major. It's the one just before Worlds. Right. So this is all in the process of qualifying for future Olympics. Correct. And you guys own the podium and Canada had a Canada and US own the podium. Yeah, so our US champions, Madison Chalk and Evan Bates from the US of A, won Yep. Handedly, and then our two Canadian teams were silver and bronze. Fantastic. So good job. Congratulations. But it's almost coming to be expected from I am Ice Academy of Montreal that they're going to own the podium because Don't you guys, say that. You oh guys my gosh. got so many teams. It's crazy. Yeah, we had nine teams here and it was amazing. Australia, New Zealand, uh, China, Japan, USA, Canada. It was a spectacular week. fan freaking tastic So good job. So Thanks, congratulations Seth. on that. Tonight, of course, or well, I say tonight because we're recording this in the evening. You are in, you know, Colorado. I am, you know, back home holding down the fort. But we're doing Mindset Matters, so here we are. So I had an interesting topic that came up. And it came up, uh, I'm going to get to it in a minute, but it came up. I listened to one of my favorite podcasts is the All In Podcast. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. It's great. Four guys on it. And one of the guys on it is, uh, and I, I always mess up his last name, but it's Shamath Palihapitiya. And Shamath was chatting and he said, you know, he was reflecting on something. And he talked about a book that he had read, which we have both read called The Four Agreements. It, he said it in a way that was like, it changed my life. And I went. Us too. I think me too, right? Yeah, you read it before I did. And then, but it was interesting. You know, here's somebody who's, you know, multi-billionaire or whatever he is. He's somewhere in that that stratosphere of accomplishment. He was part of what started Facebook. And he he's done so many things. Anyways, I don't I need to get know. into it. The point is, is that he's somebody that is really a cool cat. And so when he recommends a book that strongly or make some mention of a book that that strongly, I go, oh, we should dig into this a little bit more. And I'm reminded of the book. So, you know, in this particular podcast, what I wanted to talk about was the four agreements that are within the book, which was the four agreements are, and I want to break them down, is be impeccable with your work. 
don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and always do your best. Now, we've covered some version of these talk topics in not directly, but indirectly, and we just talk about it because it's actually a lot of the work that we've done over the years. And this book reminded me that, well, we can put it in even a tighter context and have a conversation around it. And you think about how simple those agreements are. Mm -hmm. Be impeccable with your word. You know, don't lie. Like, don't bullshit. Like, just, you know, well, I say don't know what that, you say. Yeah, but is it, you know? is it really, I love that. yeah, but is it really, it's not just about a lie. It's, it's do what you say you're going to do. That's, yeah. that's how I hear it. Although, yeah, you know, don't bullshit, you know, don't lie, but do what you say you're going to do. And when you talk about being impeccable with your word, I think it's also being responsible for what oh. you're saying to people, which really leads into the next one, which is a, a bigger one, which is don't take things personally. But let's just continue to unpack that be your word conversation a little bit, because that speaks to, I think, many times that we've talked about around integrity, right? Who are you? Are you who you say you are? Are you being true to yourself? And so before we go any further, I want to go back a little bit. Now, the author of the book, and you remember his name, Don... Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz. He had a really cool quote, and it was, To be alive is the biggest fear humans have. Death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive. The risk to be alive and express what we really are. Just being ourselves is the biggest fear of humans. We have learned to live our lives trying to satisfy other people's demands. We have learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. And oh, let's pause there for a second. Can yeah. you just read that last paragraph again? I think. I think this is really the the key. This just is, read that last paragraph yeah, again. Huh? We, we talked about this a lot. So it's the really lot. the body yeah. of the work that we do. We have learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. Yep. It's so, so important that, you know, when we talked about, when we, when we run Mindset Matters little programs, or we do our shift coaching program, or when we're working with others, it's always about, or it's often about self-discovery. It's not only being brave enough to be true to yourself, it's actually discovering who you are. You know, in his book, in this particular book, they talk a lot about the fact that we're born into this world. We come into an environment that we have no control over. We are raised by parents or grandparents and family, and then we go to schools and then perhaps religion and all of the things that come into play. But it shapes our belief system, not only the belief system of the world outside of us, but it shapes who we are because there is a punishment and a reward system. When you follow the rules that apply in the environment you're raised, and you know you are a good person in those rules. You're rewarded, and right. when you step out of that as a kid growing you're up, a bad person. 
you're you're punished. You know, you're made wrong. You're you could be shamed, embarrassed. You could be you know whatever you know spanked. Whatever the story is, right? So it really defines us, and we then come out in our late teens or early twenties really confused and then afraid to step outside of those boundaries that we were brought up in. Now, it's not to make the boundaries wrong. It's to open up the conversation of understanding that we're at the effect of all of that. And this whole journey of self-discovery, of unpacking all those belief systems, what we've often joked about being our BS, right? Our belief. Or before Stephanie, it could mean that for you. <laughs> yeah, for me, it could be before Stephanie. <laughs> so you know, we 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 you know we strive to, you know, the four pillars that we've mentioned many times around health, wealth, love, happiness, seeking those, and often many never finding those. You know, never really being healthy, not necessarily physically, but even mentally, emotionally. Uh, you know, living in a world of anxiety and often not feeling like we fit in. And now with social media, we've, you know, we really see that we're watching the highlight reels of other people's lives and then comparing ourselves to that. So, the, thinking, oh my gosh, we so suck. Yeah, we so suck in those, you know, compared to those highlight reels of other people's lives. And so when we look at the health side of it, it's not just physical, it's mental and it's emotional, it's spiritual. And wealth, you know, what gets in our way of doing what we love to do and being paid to do it when we can't even identify what it is because we fall into this TikTok. So love is, is something that all humans need. We needed it when we came out of the womb and it's an essential part of being human. And then of course, you know, happiness, where does joy live? And we know it's not just about money, but often happiness really comes into those moments of time. And if you could live your life that way, but it comes into moments of time where you feel like you are being truly who you are. So that's kind of the opener context of this before we so get into things here. This let's really discover um, those four pillars, but then sort of blend them in to the book, The Four Agreements, because I think it's so important that we, in our Mindset Matters podcast, I think what we've done is we've opened up a lot of conversations that really have challenged or invited our listeners to investigate their values. And then what it really comes down to is, can we own those values? Can we honor them? And then as we go through that journey, So what about who we are? Are we being true to ourselves? What does that mean? Think about it. Be impeccable with your word. Do you know how difficult that is? How hard it is right now? People are, they're salespeople or people are trying to to do things that are maybe outside their value systems that are trying to, you know, make things happen that really aren't an integrity. I love sales. I think we're all in sales because if we're trying to solve people's problems, then we're in, then we're really being true to ourselves. But if we're outside of that alignment or out of integrity, then, then we're not being true to our word. So that's one part of the four agreements that I really dig into. I love that one. Yeah. So it's interesting around being true to your word and the journey of self-discovery is first off recognizing that some of the discomfort, some of the dis-ease or the anxiety or the 
fear of judgment, go back to what we said. You know, we've learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else for who we are. So this often goes back to the conversation about the fear of losing friends, uh, alienating family, uh, being alone, being alone. And first off, that's, that's kind of the outcome of change that people resist. I don't want to change, you know, because if I change, then I'll be judged. I'll lose friends. I'll lose family. But those who really truly live into their values, you know, start to realize that they are then aligned with the values, or they are then aligned with other people who share similar values. So, Anxiety fades away. Judgment fades well, away because you're creating an environment for yourself where you feel like this is who I am. You know, yeah, and to let go of who you used to be and be okay either being alone or being able to invite people who are of like mind into your life. And it may not be the people that you grew up with mm-hmm. or who raised you. It's an interesting dynamic that we often see. So this book opened up that conversation, you know, and so how can you necessarily be true to your word, especially when you have an awareness around things? It's those individuals that are consistently late, for example, and it doesn't matter how hard they try. They're always late. It doesn't matter how often they say, no, I won't be late anymore. They're late. And that's just a kind of a an example of being true to your word means you're going to show up on time because you said you were going to show up on time. You said, and you do what you say you're going to do. To me, that's being true to your word. Also kind of when you, when you can't be true to your word for some reason, and it's a consistent blind spot that you have, perhaps, you know, being and looking at it and saying, it's not about other people. This is my stuff. What am I operating on top of? So that's that self-discovery piece that we often talk about. You know, what's interesting about when you say about being late and being true to your word. So I'm going to be there at seven. So everybody else kind of plans their day to be there at seven and you're not there. Mm-hmm. So where are you not respecting others' time? Well, it right? does. It, think it, about of course. Being impeccable to your world, to my world, to my word, if I'm going to be there on time, or if I'm constantly late, where am I not respecting other people's time? So, So to me, that's something to to always step back and go, okay, let's do a self-evaluation on why am I not honoring my word or am I not respecting other people's time? Well, it's interesting, you know, that within our own executive team and within our team overall, that if somebody's literally going to be five minutes late, they're texting saying, I'm running five minutes behind. I'll be there Absolutely. running five minutes behind. But five yep. minutes, many people go, well, I was just five minutes late. And they they dismiss it as if it's nothing. And yeah. these are little subtle. It's a difference. Uh, you know, it is really that high performance is a result of low tolerances. And can you tolerate somebody who's consistently five minutes late? Well, then why didn't we start the meeting at 7.05? You know, right, I'm seven. Yeah, instead of seven. So these are things that when we talk about being impeccable to your word, that's just an example. It's an easy one to kind of draw on because it's often one that pushes people's buttons. And there are those who just consistently have an excuse for being late. It's like they live in this other world. So I don't want to, I don't want to make call them time optimists. Yeah. Yeah. You There's could... always more time, always more time, always more. Time. I'll just do this. I'll do this. You know, it's funny. You say to me all the time when we're going out, 
tell me when you're putting your shoes on and I'll jump in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know it takes me a long time to get ready to do things. If we have to be somewhere at 7 and we know we have to leave at 6.30, you always tell me, you're putting your shoes on, I'll jump in the shower. But that's an agreement we have. Yeah. Because I know how long I know how long it's going to take you to choose which shoes you're going to wear. But it's so worth it, right? <laughs> it is. It is. You are my bling. There's no doubt about that. So next part of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. And I got to say, this is without a doubt, probably the most important, but the most difficult to achieve because it really requires that we shift how we view ourselves. And that's a big deal. Well, we think we're so important, right? Well, I don't know that we think we're important. It's just that if that's necessarily the case, as a matter of fact, it may be that we don't think we're important. So when somebody says something, we take it personally. When it's never about us, in that regard, we can take it, you know, digest it as information, put in a correction if it needs to be put in. But somebody who's being critical, somebody who is, you know, trying to be offensive, it's never about you. It's always about the other person, always 100% of the time. And so it's an interesting shift to have to make. I don't, I'm not particularly good at it most days. I've certainly gotten far better. And, and I, and I, but I, I can still take things personally from like, if you hit me, if you say something, I can take that personally. Like I can, and, and I know, but here's the thing, here's the psychology behind it. I know you don't mean it personally. <laughs> and so, it, you know, but I take it that way. And that's about right, me. I, let's just slow down for a second because we need to go back to, don't take things personally, is that when people are expressing themselves and they're saying something that, you know, is not landing for you or for me, and it's like, okay, it's about me. This is about them expressing what they're going through at this moment. But it takes a high level of self-awareness mm-hmm. to go, oh, this isn't about me. But how do you know if it's about you or not about you unless you've done a little bit of personal work? And you're allowing people to express themselves and to clear or to do whatever they're doing and then to not take it personally. What if, what if whatever is being said, if it's just a comment, I, I, I said something the other night to a, to a colleague and I, I didn't actually understand how it was going to land for her because I was just talking and saying something and, you know, this is one thing, this is another thing, but she had a different experience. Is that my responsibility to figure out what her experience is going to be? No, that's the point. No, that's the point. It isn't. I'm just being honest or being expressive. And if somebody's being honest or expressive to me and I take it personally, that's my fault. That's your stuff, right? But yeah. here's the fundamental. Let's go back to where we started the conversation, which is we were raised in an environment where we're given points, if you will for being, following the rules, for being good, for being whatever we're brought up to be, right? And so we come through life seeking validation. So when we quit seeking validation, we can actually get past that taking things personally. We don't need to be validated. So there's another side to that, which is when we take things personally, you know, there's, 
there's both the upside and the downside. It's like when you achieve something, you own it all, right? Like, look what I've done, look what I've achieved. And then when you fail, then that's where excuses come out and that's where it's something else's fault, it's circumstances, it's economy or it's whatever, right? But it's the same thing when we take things personally. When somebody's validating us, we own it all, right? We're happy to be validated when somebody's patting us on the back. When somebody's saying something that isn't patting us on the back or we're feeling made wrong, it takes that validation and shifts it. That's my kind of take on that particular view of the world. I don't know if that's right, but that's how I feel about it. That's what I see. Yeah, I think I get that what you're saying, but I'm in a judge sport. Like right now I'm at a international figure skating competition, figure skating, gymnastics, diving. It's a judge sport. So you have to take other people's judgment with a grain of salt. And my job as their performance coach is to really open up the fact that they can do the best and be the best in the world at what they do, regardless of other people's judgment. And that's very difficult because they're raised in a world where they're judged on their hair and their body shape and their size and how they did a turn and a twizzle and all that stuff. So it's the judgment in one world called figure skating is so intense. But you think about it. You're walking down the street and you go, I like that car. I don't like her hair. I don't like this. I don't like that. Like, So it's not just about not take things personally. It's about how, as a person, do you judge? Well, that goes back, but that goes back to what we, from my point of view, it goes back to what really opened the conversation, which is don't take things personally. It's never about you. And that's... Right. So when you have a judgment on someone, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an energy leak. I, I, I'm like... I have zero judgment on anyone. I don't care how they look, how they sound, what their hair looks like, how big they are, how small they are. It's not even an issue. But I find in the world, you know, in our world, is there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time in judgment of others or of the politics or of the policy or whatever. So the conversations are so much about judgment. So I'm thinking if we flip it, not just about don't take things personally. It's like, don't judge. What if we not? What if we're not in a situation where we just look at a situation and we go that it is what it is? Well, I think that you can do that. I think there's a place where just by the nature of us, we're always judging something because we're judging circumstances, we're judging conditions, we're looking at certain things. But we don't have to move forward with that judgment in terms of commenting and or giving somebody our assessment of anything. We really don't. More importantly, on the other side of that equation is how we receive information, which is not to take things personally. That's really what, in this particular case, uh, and whether we're doing a good job of our assessment of this particular, these four agreements or not, it's something to be unpacked and to look at in the four agreements, which is to say, how do we take things and why do we take them personally? Often it's because we're not being validated. We are also operating on top of and not knowing what our truth is. And you can become pretty bulletproof when you live into your own values and you start to understand that how people are seeing you or their assessment or their judgment of you is 
through a set of filters that you have no idea. You have no control over the filters or understand the filters that are, people are looking at you through. So the point is, is not to take it on. That's really it. And that's not easy, by the way. It's not like, okay, well, I'm just going to quit taking personally things personally tomorrow. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the lines that I use in, in my coaching is that no one can ever really hurt you or judge you or make you feel bad without your permission. That's right. It, it becomes your view of it. So <clears throat> the thing is, is that we all have had in our lives, we're operating on top of where we're not good enough. You know, we're not strong enough, smart enough, rich enough, good looking enough, thin enough, whatever the story is. There's a, the whole not enough story that I think everybody at some point in their lives operates on top of to some degree, you know, depending on where you are in your own journey of self-discovery and, and self-understanding, you have to be able to have those conversations with yourself that are saying that you are good enough. And what everybody, whatever somebody is saying, whatever somebody is saying to you that may sound critical or be critical, even if it's intentional, you know, or not intentional, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to say that's their stuff, not my stuff. I know. Like my, my mom used to say is like your opinion of me, is none of my business. Exactly. Exactly. So these are number three. Okay. Number three is don't make assumptions. And this is such a big one. You actually, uh, you know, when you're working with somebody and, or when you're having conversation with somebody about agreements is don't make assumptions and manage expectations by stating expectations. So we get into trouble. You have actually a little saying for it. You go ahead with it. You remember what it is, I'm sure. Unstated. Unstated expectations? Yeah, but you have a thing. Don't you? Oh, I have a whole, I have a whole workshop on it. Unexpressed expectations mm -hmm. and unknown assumptions. Yes. So the whole process, when we assume, I mean, back in the day, it was, you know, assume is. Making an ass out of you and me. Out of you and me or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But when we have unexpressed expectations, that's on us, right? So then when we have that unexpressed expectations, we are assuming that people are going to have a certain way of being with us or a certain way of communicating. And then we're generally let down. Well, we see it all the time in business in different agreements. And even if it's a stated agreement as opposed to a written agreement. But at the end of the day, we... When it's unexpressed, though? It's unexpressed. That's my point. So it happens so in it happens in relationships, and I'm talking about uh, significant others, as in you know marriages or boyfriend girlfriend or just friendships, yeah, family. He should know this because it's Valentine's Day coming up, or he should know this, or she yes. should know this, right? Yeah. It is those assumptions. Well, I assumed you were going to do this. I assumed we were going to do this, and that is passing the buck because did you so express? Dangerous. Did you express? your expectation and are the expectations on the table and well just stop for a sec cowboy is that if we don't express our it's difficult i find for for me for women it's difficult to say here's what i would love or here's what i would like because there's also a place where you could say well no so then there's a place of rejection so when you think about unexpressed expectations a lot of times it's because we're afraid of rejection so then we place that assumption on our partner based on the fact that we don't want to be rejected and yet we still get rejected. 
we place that assumption on our partners, but then we're setting both up for failure. For failure. Right. And so the rejection that we talk about in, and then there's certainly some technique and, you know, nuances that come into expressing expectations in a relationship, depending what they are. But when we make assumptions, we really are setting ourselves up for some dynamic of, an argument or confrontation or somebody being out of whack because ultimately it's better to state an expectation and it can be, okay, I don't want to make any assumptions. You're doing this. I'm doing that. We're going here. Then we're going there. This is the timing of this. And it's actually a conversation. It's an adult conversation, I think. And it doesn't always work out that way. The point of it is, is that even when you're being intentional, you can miss the boat. Like you can really drop the ball on making assumptions. And then you go, shit, I made an assumption. But here's the thing. Own it that you made the assumption. If you didn't express an expectation and somebody didn't leave a, live up to your assumption, then you got to take responsibility for that yeah, and, and not play the blame game. Assumption. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. The unexpressed assumption isn't about an expectation. A lot of times it's a historical thing. It's like, you know what? If I'm a good person and this person loves me, they're gonna, it's gonna be Valentine's Day or my birthday, and they're gonna do this and it's gonna be like that. And it all lives inside your head. There's no win in that. That other person will always fail. And that is where I think relationships get damaged so much is that we don't have the courage to say, here's what I would love for my birthday, or here's what I would love. Or please don't do something for my birthday because I don't want that. But in, you know, in the other person's ideal or idealism is that they, they are expressing through what they want. Well, you know, and here's an interesting, just a really simple example of that. I mean, for years, you know, you and I exchanged gifts for anniversaries and birthdays and Christmas and all the things that we did. But we quit exchanging gifts. And although we will sometimes buy each other little gifts of affection or a thought, you know, we don't, we don't have an expectation that, you know, I don't have an expectation that I'm going to get a gift for my birthday or for Christmas and vice versa. You know, when we're at a point in our life now where we have a birthday, let's celebrate it. Let's have a party. Are we going to have a party? Let's have a party. So then it's an open conversation about what we're doing together, but there's no expectation. And I'm not assuming that I'm going to get a gift when we have no expectation of that because we've had yeah, these what's conversations really cool about that is that when you see something or I see something that you think I might like, I just buy it, it for me. Yeah. 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 And vice versa. And that's what's so sweet. Is that it's like, I used to do that with my friends and my partners is like, I would miss birthdays, but throughout the year I'd be fine. Oh my gosh, I think she would love this because I would on a trip and I would buy her that. And, and I think it's when that doesn't get acknowledged because it didn't show up on the birthday or didn't show up on Valentine's Day or on Christmas. But I was thinking of always thinking about what somebody else would love. I would give it to them in that moment, but it wasn't on the birthday. To me, that was still an act of love or an act of contribution or, or, or whatever, but it didn't show up in the birthday and it would hurt that person's feelings. And I really I learned a lot about expectations through that. Again, when we make assumptions, we're actually setting ourselves up for failure. Now, that's an elevated conversation. If we can own that we made the assumption and we're setting ourselves up for failure, 
That's one side of a conversation. Many make assumptions and blame the other person for not living up to that assumption without ever expressing, ever expressed it. So these are the, you know, so when we talk about, you know, when we actually state these or make these four uh, agreements, when we look at these four agreements, this being one of them, it really does take some thought. It's a deeper than just four statements. Under each one, as we unpack it, we get deeper into what these all mean. Okay, so can we, we got to move on to the last one here. We've gone long. Four. We're going long. Number four is always do your best. This one, I got to say, it kind of, it kind of it didn't rub me the wrong way. It goes, okay, well, who sets the benchmark for always do your best? You know, the reality of is we're mere mortals and we're not always going to do our best. And let's say we commit to doing our best. Can we actually quantify what your best is? So I use the example that I often do. When you go to the gym, you say, I'm going to do my best at the gym. And you think you're doing your best. You're putting in your best effort mentally. You know, you're saying, no, I'm all in. I'm all in. And then you get a trainer who pushes you and you get another 40% out of your workout because we were actually doing our best. Not doing your best. You know, it wasn't, well, I was doing my best, but I had no benchmark of what my best was. I had no benchmark to measure my best from. So it's an interesting statement in the book, The Four Agreements, and understanding doing your best. I think it's an intention because there's no benchmark that we have to say, are we doing our best? We know when we're putting in a lot of effort. Or we're trying hard. Or we're trying hard, right? But the point is, is that it's an interesting point that when I got to it and was reminded of it, because it's been a long time since I read this book, I was reminded of that little sticky point for me is that what is your best? I think it's an it's the intention behind the work that you're doing or whatever it is. If in, in the business and the relationship, are you doing your best? Are you showing up being your best self? Do your best. Go back to the the agreement that says be impeccable with your word. Are you being and doing your best at being impeccable with your word as an example? So it kind of encompasses those different aspects. I think in that regard, it's like, are you making excuses for not having the results you want? Like I think about me doing my best. Am I doing my best in the moment? In this moment, am I doing my absolute best? I'm the only one that can judge that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to rip myself off or I'm going to lie to myself, we're already back to being impeccable with your world, with your word. Or if you think about how hard it is to, you know, stretch into a new level of excellence, like excellence is a straight line, right? Life isn't. Life is a, you know, a randomonium kind of a thing. But excellence is really a straight line and it's much simpler when you think about if I could just do my best in this moment with what I know, mm-hmm. and when I know more, I'll do better. And when I know more, I'll do better. And that to me is a very simple line up towards excellence. I don't need to find excuses to say why I don't have, you know, what I say I have or, or, or what I say I want. If I don't, if I want something, I say it. If I don't want something, what I've learned is that I don't say it because then I set myself up for failure. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, if you wrap all those four agreements into just a, a way of creating your value system, 
then it becomes very simple. And if you read the book, and I read it just again because we were going to do this podcast on it, it's such a simple read, mm -hmm. but it's really quite difficult to do these things if you're not willing to do the work on yourself. You have to be willing to do the work. And I think when I heard Shamath say it, and you look at who Shamath is and how he articulates, because I follow him a little bit, once again, on the All In podcast, and and he's a public figure, so I kind of, and the, the podcast itself, you get a little bit behind the scenes of who these guys really are. And that's why I, I wanted to unpack this a little bit. I thought it would be a, a simpler, no, yeah, I thought it'd be easy, an easier conversation than it's been. This has felt a little sticky because there's so many nuances within these four agreements. And what really sets the tone was, you know, where they describe the whole thought process of we're brought into an environment and we're at the effect of that environment. Not that it's an excuse, but it is a reality that it's why we have to unpack and do the work to really discover who we truly are and get past these belief systems, be brave to be our truest self, but discover who that true self is. So it's all a little convoluted, but of course it's a journey that we've enjoyed doing for many years. It is. And you know what? I really, th I thank you for this because I'm at a, a championship. I'm at a figure skating championship and it's a very judged world. And I'm not normal in this world. I'm not a figure skater. I'm not, you know, a, a regular person. I'm I'm like almost six feet tall in heels and they're all like this little and I'm I'm the opposite. I'm the anti that. Mm -hmm. But for some reason I have an impact and I know that I am here for a reason. And I have felt the judgment. Mm -hmm. And I've had to stand true and be quiet with what I know I'm and I've been alone. You know, I've seen all the people and they have their socializing and I'm over here by myself. But I know that I have to be true to myself because I'm here for a reason. So I invite our listeners and the people that are hopefully watching this particular first podcast is that know where your contribution is and be, pre be prepared to stand alone and look at where you're being impeccable with your world, with your word and, and, and. Are you being true to yourself so that you make your contribution? And I'm truly, you know, hun, thanks for bringing this up because this is what I've been through this week. Mm. That I'm not, you know, a normal person in the figure skating world. You're not a normal person in any world. It's why, <laughs> it's why you're the best in the world at what you do. Uh, just being me, yeah. right? And I think that is what I just keep gently pushing through. I show up, I'm on time, I honor my word. I do those things. And I think that's why I've been able to last for, do you get this? 20 years I've been in figure skating at this level, at the world-class level. Obviously we're doing something right. And I take and honor the four agreements and the work that we've done. And I really, really appreciate this conversation tonight because it brings it home for me. Beautiful. And on that note, we're going to call it a day. We did, by the way, get some suggestions that we asked for, and we're going to start unpacking gonna, those in some shows. So we're going to, yeah, thank you. We're going to, we're going to address them. And a shout out to Michael, because Michael, you know who you are. 
And we always appreciate your feedback because it's always so good and so detailed. I love it. So anyways, thanks, Stephanie. See you when you get home soon, I hope. I miss you. I love you. Okay. This was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.